Well, you know these guys? I sure do. They know you. Much respected. Tremendous. They are rootsy. Yep. They are... They got it going on. They, yeah. That's they're happening. What was, that's what they're happening. They work hard, they play hard. Yeah, they, they play hard, they work hard. They look good, they feel they, good. That, yeah, we could have said this. Pretty much all you need. You're listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 126, we're in the second week of August of 2017, I'm Ethan, and I'm Liam. We are barreling down the road to a six-hour SummerSlam show, which is next weekend. Uh, You got NXT Brooklyn 3 that weekend as well, maybe we can preview those cards a little bit this week. We missed last week. And really, I don't feel, other than John Cena going over Shinsuke Nakamura, or uh, Nakamura going over Cena, and Bailey separating, separating her shoulder, that we missed a whole lot in not doing a show last week. I feel like we probably would have ranted a little bit. And maybe maybe now with a, another week of vitriol and vim and vigor, we'll have some of that for you this week. But this was not the most newsworthy week in WWE, we can uh, start with Monday Night Raw, which was just a boring show, I thought. Lee, what were your thoughts on Raw this week uh, and uh, the main event angle with Joe, Braun, and Roman? Uh, yeah, nothing really to write home about. Just pretty by-the-numbers show. Um, obviously, some things are getting rearranged with the with the injuries, uh, both to Bailey and also to... Scott Dawson of the Revival. Um, I'm not really sure why the Hardys weren't on the show at all, but whatever the plan, it seemed like they were kind of doing the three-way feud with them and uh, the club. I don't know if that's just going to be a Hardys versus club match now or or what exactly. Um, but so there's a little bit of shuffling, but other than that, yeah, pretty by the numbers. Uh, main event was, uh, I thought, the best match that Roman and Braun have had together. I'm not a giant fan of that pairing. So I'm not maybe the guy to comment on whether or not this actually was the best match. So if you or anybody or if our listener loved the the ambulance match or the match they had back in, I guess, early March, uh, I don't know how that stacked up to that one. But this one was mostly just them hitting each other with weapons and stuff. So that was fun, including Braun launching a desk chair at Roman, which apparently, as I found out on Twitter, uh, the through, via the magic of Twitter gifts, was a, a ripoff of a spot uh, from one of Okada's G1 matches. Um, so I don't know if it's Braun or Roman who's been who's been keeping up on his New Japan. But uh, yeah, it was, I thought it was a fine main event, and they put Joe's choke over at least, you know, with the idea that Braun did all this crazy stuff for Roman and he didn't go down. Then Joe comes out and chokes him out, and he's down for the 10 count. So I guess that's good. A little bit of rehab for Joe after they just had Roman pin him for no reason last week. Oh, that was awful. Why? Why did they do that? The only thing that Joe had was that Roman hadn't beaten him. Yeah, and I mean, it's just kind of what they do. If you remember before the 
five way show. Uh, the the show where they did the five way. Like in the weeks leading up to that match, Roman just pinned Seth and Finn in like back to back weeks. And so I think yeah. it's just what, like what they do. Like when Roman isn't going to win on the pay per view, they just give him like uh, big TV wins, even though it kind of ruins it. Especially if, I mean, I don't know who's walking out with the title. It seems since they put that Brock's the stipulation with Brock that Brock's probably retaining, but. Um, yeah, I so it seems like they just like well, Roman's not going to win at the pay per view, so he's going to just beat Joe on on free TV to to, to keep him strong. I guess we got to keep Roman strong, Ethan. That's right. A couple of minor points that popped into my head when you were talking about that Raw show. I don't think Jeff Hardy's allowed in Canada, so I think that's why the Hardys weren't on Raw. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys that have had Does Jeff had uh, trouble with the criminal... law. Yeah, a lot of guys that have had trouble with the law aren't allowed in Canada. Our truth wasn't allowed in Canada for years. I don't know if he is now or not. But uh, yeah, I don't think Jeff could go there for legal reasons. I knew there was issues with him. And... Him also, I think, going to the UK for a long time when he was in TNA. I remember that. Couple, yeah, because he was like their only star that moved tickets, and they weren't able to book him for any of the any of their shows. And so they did those marathon tapings. It would be like two months without him on their show because they taped like eight weeks of television in London. Yes. And the other point has completely escaped me, so it couldn't have been that important. Oh, the uh, no, forget it. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> um, I I walked in on the uh, the first middle of the first segment on Raw and I saw Brock standing in the ring. I said, "Oh, Brock's gonna kill some dudes," and Brock killed some dudes. The Miztourage. Could Bo Dallas look more like Bray Wyatt? He looks more and more like him every week, and every week there's something more obnoxious about Bo Dallas to me. For a while, it was the fact that Miz and Axel were wearing suits. And he was wearing like jeans and a bandana around his neck and a denim shirt like he was a mechanic. <laughs> and then they finally, and then they finally went to men's warehouse and got him some business casual stuff. But he wears the dress shirt unbuttoned to his navel, and he wears a, uh, colored lens glasses for absolutely no reason. And he's wearing one glove. It's like why? What is this guy's trying way too hard? And I would like Bo Dallas to go away. I would like Bo to leave. Yeah. Huh. Let the laughter yeah. of the listener die down before we move on. Okay, go. Yeah, so uh, Jason Jordan and The Miz, I think, is the Intercontinental title program going forward, although it's difficult to tell because Jason Jordan just killed a, a job guy this week, and the job guy got cheered in Bizarro World. And I guess along those lines, Bailey got booed when she came out to cut her promo after being injured. Do you do you, uh, you want to touch on Bailey and Nia in the match where Bailey got injured last week and uh, what they did with the women this week? It seemed like, other than Bailey getting booed in Toronto, which was just awful, uh, it seemed like I knew exactly what they were going to do. Everybody in the world knew exactly what they were going to do, who they were going to put over in those triple threat matches. And that's what they did, and it was just time filler. But uh, any thoughts on uh, the Raw women's division? 
Yeah, um, Nia Jax shouldn't be on television. Like, at all. Um, at least not wrestling. Because in, like, uh, you remember, I believe you had the big rant about it uh, a few months ago when she dropped Charlotte on her face, like, twice in the same match. Yes. It nearly killed Charlotte. She did, she, like, flattened Emma with a senton a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, she separated Bailey's shoulder, and then after what appeared to be the initial injury happened, she then picked her up in that, like, chicken wing thing and then just dropped her right on the shoulder again. Um, and then she just clobbered Dana Brooke a couple of times this week. So she's just, she's not safe, and she shouldn't, she shouldn't be working on TV. And I know what we do with situations like this. We throw our hands up and we say, well, she's The Rock's cousin. But if we just say that every time something bad or dangerous or horrible happens in our lives, then nothing ever changes and nothing ever gets better. So I think it's worth pointing out that she really shouldn't be on television because she sucks and she's dangerous. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. The counter to that would be, well, if you're going to call her out, then you have to call Nakamura out. And I know Austin Aries kind of counterpointed that on Twitter last week. He's a guy that clearly gives zero Fs anymore. And said that there's a difference between what happened when Nakamura broke his face and, um, and someone just being careless, and that Nakamura wasn't being careless and that it was a freak accident. But on SmackDown last week, Nakamura... In in giving John Cena a uh, a suplex, Cena ended up dropped right on his head. And I'm not a trained wrestler. I have never taken a suplex like that. I couldn't tell you who was more to blame. I will say John Cena has looked incredibly awkward and has been bumping even more clumsily than usual since he's on this most recent run. I think he's a little rusty. And my instinct was to blame John for that. But do you have any thoughts on, okay, if we're going to call out Naya, do we have to call out Nakamura? And did you have a read on whose fault that was? Um, look, you can make that, uh, if you want to say, oh, Nakamura was careless with Aries or... I mean, people gave Seth Rollins, and maybe rightfully so, a lot of crap about when he injured Cena a couple of years ago and he, you know, kneed him in the nose. Uh, or when he threw Balor into the into the barricade and Balor ended up hurt, or separating his shoulder. Um, and, and people did give... Sting. You know, uh, yeah, Sting. Like, I mean, and Rollins did get a lot of crap. I mean, especially, I mean, Bret Hart, like, made a weekly occurrence of calling the dude out and talking about what a terrible wrestler he was. And, and, and maybe that's fair. Like, if, if, if the other guy gets hurt and you're the one that hurt him, maybe you do deserve a little bit of blame. I will say, though, it's when you start to form a pattern. And with a thing like, I also think it depends on what the move was. It's like, yes, Austin Aries got his, uh, orbital socket broken on a move where the guy's running and throws his knee up and hits you. You know, theoretically, he doesn't actually hit you in the face, but it was some kind of you know tilt. To, like I think uh, Aries was like spinning around and Nakamura hit him, and it was awkward. 
But it's yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there, and Nakamura's hit that Kinshasa on a lot of guys and hasn't broken their orbital sockets. Um, so I think it has to come with a pattern and how whether or not it could just be considered an accident, like somebody's timing was off, or whether or not it was just someone being uh, careless. And to me, when you just repeatedly drop someone on their shoulder, that's you being careless. That's not uh, a, 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 you know an unavoidable accident. Um, thing with Cena is that the, Nakamura in pretty much every match before he hits the knee does the, the the suplex where he flips the guy over and the guy lands on his belly. And every time I've ever seen the guy take that bump, it's basically the guy getting the move does a backflip and Nakamura just helps him rotate. And it looked to me like Cena just went up thinking it was the back suplex, like a, was like a, a normal suplex. And Nakamura kind of was did his motion like he was trying to help the guy flip over. And it was just that looked to me more like a miscommunication. Like the guys were just on two different pages. So, like I said, I do think context is important. Not everybody that's ever gotten, that's ever injured someone deserves flack. But if there's a pattern and the pattern is you dropping someone on their head or their shoulder or their neck uh, repeatedly, which has been the case with a lot of Nia Jax uh, related injuries then, yeah, you need to be called out for that, I think. And I, I yeah, I, I don't, I, so I think there is a difference. There's a quantifiable difference. And uh, and it really, it really does depend. It doesn't mean, hey, maybe when she clobbered Dana Brooke with a clothesline, maybe that was more of a timing issue. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. So, yeah, maybe not everyone has been 100% her fault. But it sure seems like it's a pattern. With you know, three weeks in a row, she seems like she's been very unsafe. And Bailey's out of the match uh, at SummerSlam against Alexa Bliss, who they put on commentary twice in a three-hour show on Raw. God bless Alexa. Don't need to hear her on commentary twice in a three-hour show. Um, she's not good at that. I think we talked about this on our last show, but like, she's a girl who I think... It, is better suited to have dialogue scripted for her and just putting her out on improv and, and graves and Cole are lobbing her softballs and she just kind of gives two or three word answers. It's like kind of exposing her as being like less charismatic than she normally appears, which is like the opposite. I think of what you would want to do if you have somebody on commentary with you. And Toronto booed Bailey. Do you blame Toronto? Do you blame WWE? Do you blame both? Uh, do you think they were booing Bailey just because Alexa's book been booked as such a strong baby face that everybody just loves Alexa now? Or what, what do you think about the whole Bailey thing here? And I will say that our beloved wrestling observer and figure four guys, Brian and Dave this week, they pretty much have given up and said that Bailey may as well turn heel because it can't get any worse. I strongly disagree with that. She can never turn. But what do you think about the whole Bailey debacle? Um, I mean, yeah, I don't. I think the, I thought the crowd were was kind of a bunch of jerks for booing her um, because she's trying to talk seriously about a real life injury and um, and it was pointed out she probably made it worse by acknowledging the boos, but 
Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's kind of lame, but wrestling fans are generally not good people. So, uh, <laughs> just a joke. Just a joke. I can't. I don't. I, I'm not. But Turning heel. Uh, you decided of, to turn heel. Yes. That's very clear what's happened here. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the crowd was, the crowd was not nice <laughs> to her. That's for sure. They were not sympathetic. They did not want to see her talk about you know, her real life injury. So the crowd was not very sympathetic, but that being said, it's hard to imagine if this had happened, say even six months ago, that a crowd, even a similarly hardcore crowd, uh, like a Toronto or Philadelphia would be that loud and, and uh, vociferous in their booing. Um, And I think that that goes to the booking that goes to you having her, lose pretty routinely to you know clean have the you know have the heels repeatedly call her a loser brag about how she you know was beaten in front of her father and you know all the just talk about what a loser she is and then she never gets any revenge and eventually people give up on her and then they start to blame the red like i think you can kind of see that and it's it's almost something it kind of changes how you view the character where you stop feeling like, okay, this is going to go somewhere and she's going to come back and the underdog's going to come back. And you just start feeling like, oh, I just don't want to see this because I'm tired of seeing them beat her repeatedly. Um, I think it's kind of similarly happened to Sami Zayn on SmackDown um, where they just beat him so, so much that now everybody, I mean, you can, it's, it's just not, it's not quite the same. And obviously it's nowhere near, where either of those people were in NXT. So it's like she was, it's, it's sad because uh, especially Bailey, I think was like the easiest person in the world to book. And I mean, from as pointed out by people on Twitter, from having her win the title via cheating, admit that she cheated and <laughs> still not giving the belt and then still not give the belt back. And then, uh, yeah, that's getting beaten repeatedly clean by heels. Yeah, like I, I think at a certain point, even if it's not may not be a malice thing, where like, oh, I don't like her anymore. It's just like I'm just tired of seeing the same story play out because it's just all they do with this character is just beat her like a drum. It's like I just don't want to see it anymore because I just I know what I'm gonna get. So I think it's maybe more that than because Alexa, you know, that oh, we like Alexa now because she's been booked stronger. I think it's more like we just we're just tired of seeing the same baby face get beaten like a drum every week speaking of we get to see sasha and naya for the three thousandth time this coming week on raw and i fully expect that they will beat my favorite wrestler in her hometown uh on on monday night uh do you expect that finish as well no i kind of think sasha's gonna win uh, i didn't realize it was in her hometown though so i may have to rethink my uh my i just assumed they were gonna slide uh Sasha back in since that was kind of the feud. I guess they were teasing Naya and Alexa a little bit uh, a month or so ago. Um, so yeah, now that you say, now that you pointed out that it's uh, a baby face in their hometown, uh, I believe the last <laughs> time was when uh, Sasha was in the first ever women's Hell in a Cell and just lost clean. So yeah, they've done it. To, yeah, they've done it to her before. They did it to Bailey in San Jose this year. They did it to Randy Orton in St. Louis this year. They do it. They do it all the time. They can't help themselves. 
I'm I'm not even I'm not even gonna get upset about it because I'm a hundred percent sure that's what they're gonna do. So well, you got that to look forward to on Raw. <laughs> um, you mentioned Sami Zayn on SmackDown. He and Ty Dillinger lost to the Usos this week. SmackDown was a really frustrating show for me to watch. Outside of John Cena is just head and shoulders. I think he's taken his promo game to yet another level. Who's just head and shoulders promo wise above everybody else in that company, aside from a pretty good John Cena promo to open that show. SmackDown was so frustrating. Um, the women's champion and the world champion lost to people that they're not facing at the pay-per-view two weeks before the pay-per-view. Can you explain either of those things to me? Uh, I really can't explain, well, really either of them. I was confused as to why when like the champion is like laid out and unconscious why the girl with the contract can't didn't just cash in right then. Um, Good point. And just win the title. Unless I mean, I guess they were kind of pushing. They did some kind of backstage thing with her with Carmella and Natty. So I don't know if they were trying to push that like, oh Carmella's scared of Natalia, so she wants to wait until after that match to cash in. I don't know if that's what they were going for or not. But um but yeah, that was dumb. And then yeah, Randy, first of all, I, I turned off the main event. I didn't watch, I'm not ever, <laughs> I will never watch a Randy Orton Jinder Mahal match again. I've wow. seen I've seen the best one they're going to have, and the best one they're going to have was not that good. So I don't need <laughs> to be a TV version of that. That's fair. Uh, but yes, and then it was, it, was, it was a backdrop so that Rusev could lay out Randy before... Randy doesn't get a title match unless <laughs> why couldn't he do that during before the finish then if they were going to do that anyway look I don't like screw job finishes anyway but the time to do them is on television leading to the pay-per-view so why the hell couldn't Rusev have just cost Randy that match at least then they have a reason to fight each other at SummerSlam or you could have done like uh you know a tag match with you know Rusev and and Jinder against uh Nakamura and Orton and you, you know, and you could still have, if for some reason you still really wanted Randy Orton to pin gender, you could still do that in a tag. Yeah. But you, you could at least have Nakamura involved in the finish. So it's like, okay, the good guys are building momentum. And then, and then Rusev can lay out Randy after the match or something. But yeah, none, none of that made any sense. And, uh, you know, he- heaven knows. Uh, maybe I'll, uh, I'll try tweeting Road Dog. I know he likes to tweet after SmackDown defending himself for. <laughs> <laughs> for smack for stuff that people don't like on smackdown so uh maybe maybe i'll uh, i'll tweet uh i'll tweet road dog next week and or, or later later this week and uh, and see if see what was up with that i don't follow road dog on twitter on twitter and i generally have a pretty positive impression of of most of the armstrong boys is he one of those, uh, you haven't drawn a dime in this business, you haven't booked any territory, so you can't criticize me, guys? Or does he engage with those people? I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of from what I've seen, is him going, it's, it's the JBL on that show where JBL yells at fans for not being happy enough. <laughs> like this, where, you know, there's just no pleasing these people, and... It doesn't matter that this person lost because they, you know, 
because they made an impact. It's just it's it's a lot of him repeating what Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon's uh, chosen commentators say on television when guys lose, but then beat up the guy that beat them right after the match. And now, hey, he still got, it doesn't matter. It's a lot of like wins and losses don't matter, and everybody just needs to take it easy. And there's just no pleasing you people, and and that kind of stuff from what I've seen. And like, I understand that that's to a certain extent a thankless job because obviously it's still Vince McMahon making that call. I mean, Road Dog is not the one. I'm sure Road Dog, as you mentioned, you know, is an old school guy. He's been in wrestling. His family's been wrestling. I'm sure he's not like, hey, you know what would be a great idea this week on SmackDown? Just have the world champion just get beat by a random dude who's not, who he's not fighting at the pay-per-view. Let's just do that in a singles match. And let's also do the same thing with the women's champion. Like I'm sure that's not a road dog call, but I guess he. But I, I guess since you know he's known now as the the head writer or or whatever for SmackDown, he probably gets a lot of angry tweets about about SmackDown, and so he feels he needs to defend himself. And his way of defending himself is saying what uh you know is saying is towing the company line. I guess. Yikes. As we record this, the current uh, G1 standings, you have uh, Naito and Tanahashi uh, tied atop the A block, and Okada and and Omega are top two guys in the B block. So it seems like uh, one of those four guys will win G1 this year. Uh, I know both Okada and Omega lost matches on the same night this week. Any thoughts on G1 booking or... uh, I think I asked some version of this question last week or two weeks ago, but if you were booking, who would you uh, put over in the G1, uh, at least of those four? Um, I guess I would, I would, I mean, it feels like still the hottest thing they've got uh, is still Omega and Okada. Now, of course, Omega and Okada are going to wrestle on the final night, I guess the, the semifinals or whatever. Yeah. So they, maybe after that match is over, it won't be such a big deal, and they should go to to Naito. Obviously, they've done they've done Okada and Tanahashi on on several big shows before. So, and Okada and Naito have not had a Tokyo Dome match, to my knowledge. Um, I know Naito beat Okada for the title, I guess, last year, and then dropped it back to him eventually, but. So I, I, I guess I would probably, if you're asking me to put money on it, I'd probably say Naito just because I, I, w- I would be surprised to see them put Omega over uh, that strong for a second straight year. Um, but I think, but part of me also thinks like, I don't know that Naito and Okada has the buzz. Uh, I don't, I guess it depends on how intent they are on, on getting, you know, American fans. But I mean, I mean, Kenny. It was just announced that Kenny Omega was going to be at an ROH show in, uh, in uh, I think in October, defending the the New Japan U.S. title, and that ROH show sold out, I think, quicker than any show they've ever sold, any show they've had in their history or something was the claim on Twitter. So I mean, that guy, as far as he, I mean, he's the guy if you're trying to appeal to American fans, but. Maybe for the Tokyo Dome, that's more of a show for the the traditional, the more Japanese fans. And if that's the case, maybe it does make sense to go uh, more with Okada and Naito. So I guess it depends on on what they're trying to do and how serious they are about breaking into the American market. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? 
I would I would put Omega over, and I I'm pretty sure Omega is staying for another year beyond uh, the Tokyo Dome in 2018. I don't think he's going to WWE anytime soon, so I have no issue with them with uh, with putting Omega over. So I would I would have Omega uh, come out of the B block and win the whole thing, but I'm not booking. And I know that uh, Japanese wrestling tends to be a little bit more ethnocentric than American wrestling, even. But and even with their American expansion, is it really an expansion if they're going to run here once a year? You know what I mean. So I would, yeah, I would, I would still. You can have Okada beat Omega again at the Tokyo Dome if you want to do that. But I, yeah, I would, I would have Omega win the thing. But I don't have a problem with Naito winning the thing either. That uh, that would be fine. Okay, G one, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, NXT Takeovers next weekend. The top two matches on that show are Ember Moon and Asuka, and the undefeated Drew McIntyre as they're building him, taking on Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship. Are you looking forward to that show? And uh, what do you think of the build to that? I think you've uh, you've watched some NXT television more recently than I have. Uh, any thoughts on as we uh, head towards the third takeover from Brooklyn? Um, I think it'll be a good show. I mean, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think of a, a bad NXT takeover so far, so I always expect it to be a good show. Um, yeah, I'm not... I, I mean, we talked about this weeks ago on the show. I still think the right call would have been having Roderick Strong win the title from Rude on the, the 400th episode of NXT television. Um, they kind of kept they they've implied at least on TV that that the strong is is still kind of around that picture. So it seems to me like uh, Rude probably retains here and then drops it to to Roderick Strong either in November or maybe they wait till the the show before the Rumble. But um, I think I I think I could see uh, I think Bobby Rude's probably retaining uh, for a little bit longer. Uh, the rest of the show, the, I mean, the tag title matches, they're doing Authors of Pain and Sanity, which doesn't light my world on fire. Uh, we Actually, we saw that match when uh, NXT came to not Baltimore about uh, <laughs> two months ago, didn't we? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, all, the, I mean, all those guys, I think uh, Authors of Pain are, I mean, I think they're they deserve some credit for for work. they've been in uh you know in that performance center for a while and they've gotten noticeably better i think if you compare to where they were say a year ago uh so both guys are uh, are good and everybody in sanity's good um so that i mean i'm sure it'll be i'm sure it'll be fine match it's just as a storyline it doesn't really interest me I know they did announce i think on the episode that aired this week that it's going to be Johnny Gargano and uh, Andrade Cien Almas, and I bet that'll be really good. That sounds awesome to me. Gargano's the best guy in the company, I think. So, well, aside from AJ Styles, he's like right. If <laughs> if if the criticism of you is you're slightly less good than AJ Styles, you're still pretty darn good, I think. So, yeah, Gargano's as, awesome. As far as just being a babyface wrestler, I think he's better. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I could argue. I, I you could make that argument, and I'd be hard pressed to uh, to disagree with you. Um, Gargano's awesome. It's a shame, obviously, that that Tommaso Ciampa has been hurt and that their big feud is is put on hold. But uh, in the meantime, if we just get to 
have like fun Johnny Gargano friendly baby face Johnny Gargano just wrestling every week on on NXT TV. That sounds lovely, and uh, I look forward to it. <laughs> this weekend, I will be going to see Leo Rush wrestle Matt Riddle on an Evolve show. Evolve is coming to Joppa, Maryland. This is Leo Rush's last weekend on the Indies before he heads to WWE. So he's working the Evolve show, and then in the same building the next night, he'll have his Indie farewell at the Maryland Championship Wrestling Show, kind of the promotion where he started against the guy that trained him here locally, uh, the Bruiser. So I won't be going to that show, but Matt Riddle's coming. I haven't seen Matt Riddle live. I have not seen Leo Rush live in a while, and it'll be my last chance to see him live for a while. So I've never been to an Evolve show, and that's what I'm doing with my uh, Friday night this weekend. So, cool. yeah, uh, I haven't seen much Matt Riddle at all. Obviously, I hear the buzz, but uh, do you have any thoughts on Riddle? Yeah, uh, I've seen a few matches. Uh, actually, I, I recommend people. I, I know the, the Flow Slam subscription service is pricey, but... They do have a YouTube channel, and about once a week they upload a free match from their, I guess, their various vaults that they, they have the rights to. And they put up uh, a few Matt Riddle matches. They put up one that it's it's Matt Riddle, Marty Skrull, and Will Ospreay in a, in a three-way match. And Riddle, I mean, Riddle's, he's definitely, he's got the Brock Lesnar style of moveset. It's a lot of suplexes, and you know, he's... He's not he's not as giant as Brock, but he's big for an indie wrestler. So it's pretty easy for him to come in and play giant and throw the guy around. And, and also, obviously, he has submission submissions as well. So he's he's definitely a talented guy. Um, I think his very public love affair with marijuana is probably the reason he's not currently signed to WWE. Not a not a moral judgment. Just just I think that's probably the only reason I can think of why WWE hasn't, you know, backed up a, a dump truck full of money to come get this guy. Because I mean, he's everything they like. He's got a good look. He's he's you know he's big enough, and he's uh, he's an impressive athlete. So um, yeah, I think I think Riddle's pretty good. I'm obviously I'm I have I don't regularly watch evolve so i haven't seen probably a lot of his greatest hits but from what i've seen I, i've always enjoyed it well good times i've uh, i've never seen an evolve, a full evolve show so i've watched gargano matches from evolve before but uh so this will, that'll be a brand new experience for me so that's uh that's my wrestling weekend all right that's all, that's about all i got Liam. you got anything else or shall we uh take it on home I think we've covered all the bases, and we don't want to do too much previewing of SummerSlam and TakeOver, because otherwise, what will we do next week on our SummerSlam and TakeOver preview show? I could just cry for 45 minutes about how they beat my favorite wrestler in our hometown. (laughs) Well, tune in next week to hear a grown man cry. Until then, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back next week with more stories from the wrestling life. Farewell. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the elite podcast network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com.
The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Getting a dog on Sunday. I saw. I saw. Mr. Babe. Archie. <laughs> oh, Miss. Uh, you're cutting in and out. I'm not sure if that's on my end or yours, but. How, how now? Uh, oh. It came across very choppy. Am I coming across clear to you or am I coming across choppy? I can hear you just fine. And I just I heard that just fine, but the sentence before that was no bueno. All right, well, trial and error. Um, getting a dog on Sunday. Uh, we got our house house uh, sprayed for roaches on Monday. Good times. These are the the scary German roaches. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was a hilarious line when you told me that as a someone of Polish descent, I shouldn't take a German invasion lightly. <laughs> Best line ever. <laughs> one, of my so, best, one of my best friends is uh, very German, very proud of the fact of being German. Oh, I was not that proud, but <laughs> proud. And, I, and one day I just like casually mentioned, like, "Oh yeah, by the way, man, I'm like super Polish. So you want to like come over and annex my dog?" Or <laughs> I um. So I, I'm t- I take it that you unplugged your uh, microphone, and now I can hear you crystal clear. Uh, yeah, I'm not using the microphone right now. Most partially because the stand broke, but huh. Um, like I think the mic might have broke then because that's been the the constant the last several weeks when there's been an issue and then when you unplug it i hear you perfectly yeah it sounds about right uh the only thing is like if you could i don't know if there's a way to do this but if you could i will do the best i can in editing but if you could uh amplify your volume i don't know about 20 percent because there's a you just fine now, but on the recording, your volume shows up like uh, half as loud as mine. I think this was an issue before, like before I got the mic, and I think the solution mm-hmm. was more that I just need to talk louder and like right into the mic. 
Okay. Well, give it a shot. Uh, that's all I got. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right. So my whole thing on the streaming services was, okay, soon, you know, with the news that Disney's pulling all their stuff off Netflix, Disney's going to start a Disney ESPN, ABC streaming service, whatever. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the same thing that happened with cable is going to happen, and someone is going to have to come around and consolidate all of these things. Otherwise you're going to have to spend $700 a month to watch everything that you want to watch. And we're not at that saturation point quite yet, but we're real close. And sooner or later, some conglomerate or some forced partnership, Washington will get involved and they will force these things to consolidate. And eventually, I don't know, you may have a choice of two or three streaming services but this can't last forever going it can't not everyone you can't pay everybody ten dollars a month, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's I mean I I'm kinda surprised it took Disney this long because like Warner Brothers has already announced theirs and obviously every like everybody already has like the I think CBS has one and I think like a lot of the major networks have one. Where you can just watch like back catalogs of all the shows that they have the rights to. And I guess watch watch the watch them live as well if you have their whatever their app or streaming service is. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, <laughs> I was, I was thinking about like, eventually it just becomes like it's cable, except now we're streaming our cable because which, you know, which is probably less, less reliable. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're, we're trading in cable, we're cutting cords so we can have less reliable ways to watch the same stuff. Yeah, we're, we've gone over the top, and now we're going to have to go over the top of over the top, you know what I mean? Or go under over the top again. It's, yeah. Anyway, that was my, th that was just, that jumped out at me, and I'm not the only person, obviously smarter people than me are saying the same thing, but it just struck me this week that, okay, we're nearing that tipping point where eventually... <laughs> Something's got to give here because – and the other thing that I thought was interesting was, you know, they're talking about, you know, maybe Facebook or Amazon bidding on NFL games when the NFL contract comes up or right. Major League Baseball or UFC or whatever. Whatever the, whenever the big sports properties uh, are, are come up, I guess UFC is next, uh, but the NFL is a couple of years away. And Amazon, I think, has paid rights fees. I think Twitter has paid rights fees to the NFL. Facebook said they're not going to do that. They're, they want to do a rev share thing. What? <laughs> not, oh, so I don't. I I don't think I don't think there's anywhere for UFC to go because ESPN's not buying stuff right now. And I mean, they just let soccer go, and I could easily see them not re-upping their Major League Baseball package since they just gutted their baseball studio show. Like, I, where's WWE isn't going to have Amazon or Facebook to drive up. WWE is in trouble. Like, I think Universal, NBC Universal kind of needs them, so I think they'll be okay this go-around, but look five years, six years down the road, uh, we got trouble. 
Absolutely. And I mean, they've been about this. What's her name? That's the head of programming at USA is like what everyone always says. Like, well, she'll just save WWE forever. It's like, like she's not gonna, like, she's not, yeah. She like if that's your one thing is like, well, we have friends at USA, so we'll always get renewed. It's like, well, you might always get renewed, but they're gonna start renewing you for less and less money at a certain point because they decide your the return on investment isn't there. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. That's that stuff's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what? Whenever the last time their rights? When was the last time their rights stuff came out? Like twenty fourteen. Yeah. It's like they couldn't get anybody. Like they thought they were going to get Spike for SmackDown or or Fox Sports or whoever for SmackDown, and nobody wanted it. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're they're they've like lost a million viewers since then. Yeah, yep. It's not <laughs> like I think there's this idea. Well, and which is hilarious because uh, Brian and and Mike talk about this on on Wrestling Observer Live a fair amount, or at least they did a few months ago. And like, there's this one guy who always comes like they're making record profits. It's like, yeah, they're making record record profits because of the current TV rights fee deal they have. And when that goes away and they get signed for, I don't know, $50 million less or whatever, guess what? Profits aren't going to be record in. Like it's, it's very simple and easy to see where like any executive can go, hey, yeah, these guys are still our number one rated show, but they're also lost a million viewers in the last three years. So, <laughs> yeah. And they have no other place to go. So yeah, let's just, you know. <laughs> The idea that there's no way that bubble will burst, I think, is that's a very head in the sand type of way of, of thinking. Yeah. It's very it's like everything about this just kind of screams WCW, Ted Turner loves wrestling, he'll never cancel us. We can do whatever we want. Like obviously yeah. it's not it's not quite that level, but like the ship's shoving off. We're not quite sure if it's the Titanic yet, but yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yep, Ted Turner loved wrestling. He never let it get canceled. And two years later, Ted Turner was not running his own company anymore. <laughs> yep, and it's always funny. And even like in Death of WCW, Brian kind of does the well. Really, it was the AOL merger that killed WCW. It's like, but like if WCW was still getting like six ratings every week. AOL and Time Warner would have been fine with wrestling on their show, on their channels. It's a, it's a weird book because it's so awesome and it chronicles week by week the horrible television that contributed to everything. And then, like, the thing wraps up with Brian saying, like, well, Jamie Kellner at, you know, Turn or at AOL Time Warner or whatever, Jamie Kellner at Turner canceled wrestling and that's what killed WCW, at least in the original version of the book. I haven't read the updated one, but. Um, I can't imagine he changed the end of the book, but um, I think he wrote an afterward. But anyway, um, but the answer to that is, well, if they were still doing sixes, yeah, but they were, I mean, even at the end, they were still doing twos and threes. And it's just that, you know, they couldn't lose a hundred million dollars every year. Like, <laughs> and they couldn't lose a hundred million dollars 
or they lost a hundred million dollars because, well, there's no one reason. Like it's right. because none of the stars ever showed up at house shows and they would advertise them and they wouldn't show up and they never sold tickets as a house show as a touring business. They never did well. Like they sold out a bunch of nitros in 98, 99 but as a touring company, they never did well. And when they should have been killing it as a touring brand, they they killed the Golden Goose because the Hogan's and Nash's and Halls and Stings. I, I think Sting Sting and Goldberg were were better at it than most guys. But the Hogan's, Halls, and Nash's of the world didn't show up at house shows. <laughs> Hogan because it wasn't in his deal, and Hall and Nash just no showed. You know. Yeah, it's. It is really just, it's, but it's so fascinating that, like, even among Serbians, like, I've never heard Dave really talk. Like, I mean, I'm sure I've talk, he's talked in depth about it, but, like, everybody that like, kind of buys the line about, well, it was just, it was really, yes, oh, they did all this terrible stuff, but in the end, it was really just the merger that was the final straw. It's like, mm, no, they lost $100 million in a year. Well, it's Brian's thing. Brian and Dave's thing is, well, the TV executive canceled wrestling. And there's a little bit of a conspiracy thing in there, too, about maybe WWE somehow working the guy into canceling wrestling. I don't know. It's a little bit of an untapped conspiracy theory there. That, But that's their theory. And then Bischoff's thing is always the merger. Well, you know, corporate America killed WCW. AOL Time Warner didn't want WCW on their books. Well, it's it's a little bit of both of those things, and it's yet it's neither of those things. It's like, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that book that book is awesome, but I'm not sure I agree with the the thesis. Yeah, no, solid body, not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not the best uh, closing arguments. I try to keep on keeping on. 